Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here, and we got a special topic today. Have you ever wondered how, how to reach millions with your message? Well, you're in luck because today we have a top marketer uh, who was mentioned by Forbes, Entrepreneur, and everyone else. Uh, he basically was lauded for cracking the code on how to go viral. His name's John Yushai. He's on the line with us today. He's a YouTube marketing guru, business writer, and creator of Every Vowel, a popular workplace cartoon series. It's kind of like the Dilbert from Millennials, you know, that kind of cool stuff. Uh, but why don't you take a moment to really introduce what you do, John? Sure thing. Leonard, thanks so much for having me, and hello to everyone listening. Uh, yeah, as Leonard said, my name is John Yushai. Um, I work at uh, YouTube with many of our top uh, influencers and creators and help them grow bigger communities, um, uh, past 1 million subscribers, and then help them monetize as well. And it's really, really interesting seeing how they do it and trying my hand at creating my own community as well, as Leonard mentioned, through cartoons, of all things, bringing my childhood passion of cartoons and drawing to life with a weekly series called Every Vowel. It's all about making you, hoping uh, that we inspire you, make you learn, and and maybe make you laugh a bit every Monday with a new cartoon that comes out uh, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and as well on our our website. So it's been a lot of fun creating that community. Uh, We've had over 400,000 readers come in from that, and it's just been amazing to think that cartoons can lead to a lot of cool stuff and a lot of uh, exciting stories that I'm I'm, uh, looking forward to discussing. Awesome. That sounds pretty exciting. So one of the key things here is you get to work with a lot of the top YouTubers. You probably learned a lot of key insights by how they were mm-hmm. able to go out there and get like millions to like watch their um, shows from like uh, Michelle Fan all the way up to like all the other people who are creating content. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because you've seen all this and you get to work with them firsthand, do you think that's really had an impact on your own channel? Absolutely. Like seeing the, the, what goes on when the cameras turn off has been incredibly helpful in helping other YouTubers grow and come up um, and rise, rise through the ranks, as well as figuring out how do you start a media company in today's day and age? How do you get a piece of content on the most uh, uh, micro level to go viral and get more views and just get as much exposure as possible? And there's, there's little tweaks and little nuances that come, come about with that that I've learned over my four years at YouTube that has definitely helped influence a lot of what I do, whether it's my writing in Forbes or Time Magazine, my cartoons, um, uh, as part of Every Vowel or the videos I put on myself. So it's been a fascinating learning and, and, and growing experience. Nice. Well, before we hop into any of that, I'm sure there's a lot of people here who are thinking, should I even start a YouTube page? Is it too late? Can I even reach a million views if I start today? Is that even possible? Let's preface all the conversations with, is it even possible to go out there and build something as of today to really make something happen? A hundred percent. And I'll give you an example. I highly recommend you guys check out this YouTube creator and influencer named Peter McKinnon. He's now grown to about 1.5 million subscribers. If you looked at a channel about a year ago, a year and a half ago, he, he, he had very few subscribers. And he's grown by just putting out wonderful content and really putting his heart and soul into what he's creating. And he also gives wonderful tips in terms of how to set up your lighting, your video, 
Um, so he's not only a wonderful case study in terms of what you can do to grow on the platform, but also somebody who you can learn a lot from as, you know, if you're a viewer, you're trying to get into video and, 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 and really make that jump. It's never too late. Awesome. That's, that's uh, very inspiring, especially if you're just hopping onto the platform right now. You don't know what to do, but you're, you've been thinking, maybe I should go with video. YouTube is still a place where you can really go out there and just crush it with your content. Now, oh, absolutely. Um, wh- where do you think we should start? Basically on the content development side, the planning side? Like, What do you think is the most crucial step when you're really thinking about creating content? Wh- what do you think comes first? Well, it's all about, it's all about your voice and, and finding out what you want to put out there and what is the format. You know, there, 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 there's so many ways to consume content nowadays. You know, you think about how, how, how much people consume Facebook, YouTube, Netflix, et cetera. And I really encourage anybody listening to think about how can you be proactive about putting your own content out there and putting something that you're just passionate about talking about with your friends. Maybe it's coffee. Maybe, maybe it's the, like this uh, Star Wars. Maybe it's the, the most nuanced thing like slime. I guarantee you, if you're passionate about talking about it with your friends, just turn on a camera, start talking about it, and be consistent with your videos, and you can really, really start to develop your voice, which is where this all starts. And that's always ground zero. Well, I know when I first turned on the camera and looked at myself for the very first time, I started stuttering. I had no idea what I was doing. I choked like a million times, clicked that reset button until I couldn't click it anymore. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of people out there, they kind of want to do this, but then they're a little bit scared. I I think Snapchat and Instagram with the Insta Stories kind of makes it a little bit easier where people are getting a little more familiar with getting in front of the camera. But what kind of tips do you have for, like, like me, I'm over 30, and for me to go over there, I, I didn't grow up in that Instagram phase where I, I was in front of the camera all the time. Like, do you have any yeah. tips for really getting comfortable in front of that camera? Of course. So, so my biggest tip is, I think there's this old saying that says, have you heard this one, Leonard? It's like, the camera adds 10 pounds, you know, so people oh, wear, yeah. wear more slimming, like, clothing. So I have a different take on what the camera adds, or, or more specifically, subtracts. I think the camera subtracts 10 energy levels. And what I mean by that is, <laughs> that you, you know, you put your, you, if, you're, if you and I are, are having coffee at a coffee shop and we're talking like two normal human beings, like at, at a normal decibel level, right? That's perfectly fine. And we can have a wonderful conversation. But when you're talking in front of a camera, man, you got to amp it up 10 levels because that's all going to be subtracted when it goes through the lens and comes back to the audience sitting behind their computer watching you. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I was on TV about a month ago. Well, actually, a few days ago, too. But a few, uh, about a month ago, I was um, filming for a TV show that uh, airs in, like, India in a few months, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But, like, <clears throat> I brought my uh, buddy Justin Wu down to be on the show, too. And Justin doesn't really have any camera experience, so he just sat there like his <laughs> his eyes were crossed. He's like a deer staring straight into the headlights. He's like, "What am I supposed to do? Try and look all proper, not make any mistakes, stumbling over himself." He's like, "Ah, oh, this is so hard." By the second day, he kind of opened up a little bit because we had eight hour shoots. But yeah, I really yeah. feel that energy level needs to come across because if it doesn't, you're just sitting there. And I mean, video is basically about entertainment, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and you need and to be high energy. And, you know, it's so funny when I'm around a lot of these YouTubers and they bring out their camera and start filming and start vlogging. It's like they turn into a different person. There's, there's, 
they're just so high on and like I, I, I it, like I'm like, did you just take a shot of espresso? Or like what what just happened when you turn on the camera? And I feel like that energy level is a must because it translates to something that is, is normalized. When you're watching a, a video, you want that energy because there's so many things fighting for your attention. And you don't want to sound like a crazy person, but you need to find your voice within that. But the point is you've got to be energetic throughout. So let's say someone's like struggling with this energy concept because they're a monotone person. They don't really go out there and talk that much. Are there any tips to really go out there and get that extra energy? Yeah, well, well, I think the key is don't manufacture artificial energy. And this goes back to my first point. You've got to find something that you already enjoy talking about because it's that thing that will give you the fire to want to be more energetic, right? Like I, I freaking will, will, you know, love, love, love um, to talk to anybody about Star Wars and talk to the people about Han Solo and thinking about, you know, the original trilogy and then, and then the prequels and going in, like, it, 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 it just makes me so jazzed. Or talking about cartoons, like, like these are the things that give me a lot of life, so it's easier to, to be a bit more um, colorful when I talk about it. And I encourage anybody listening, you know, what's that thing that you already get jazzed about when, when, when uh, you talk with your friends? What's that thing that you procrastinate with, right? If you're, you're told to do work, but you actually are browsing, you know, fan sites about X, Y, and Z, or, 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 or you're, you're uh, you know, doing Lego, uh, uh, Legos in the background or claymation, or whatever it is that you spend your free time on, that's generally what you get energy from, and that'll, be able, that'll give you the power to dial it up. Yeah, so if you're the type of person who's like me and you see a horse and you're like, oh, my God, I want to pet it so much. And you're like, oh, horses, horses, horses. Or if you see, like, puppies coming out of the street and you're like, oh, I'm a new person. This puppy just changed my entire life. I'm so happy today. Like, these are the things that you can really start out with to really go up there and drive that energy level up to really get your content up at a different pace than it was before. Now, totally. Totally. Leonard, does this mean you're going to start a puppy channel? Because I think that would be a groundbreaking announcement. Uh, maybe a horse channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like horses a lot more than I like puppies. I don't oh, know why I like All horses. All right, I'll be, I'll be your first subscriber. Leonard's horse okay. channel. I, I, I like it, man. It's going to be like horses of, ins- horses of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. the wrong platform. <laughs> so, yeah. Totally. So basically, you got to go out there and figure out what you're passionate about. Two, you have to go out there and like really like raise up those decibel points and really hone up on that energy. Um, mm-hmm. So what do you do after that? Is that when you start creating content? Like, do you need any type of special equipment? Can you just use your phone? Do you have to do like any shopping for like tools or anything in advance? Uh. The story is most important and what you're talking about. So I encourage people to think about what's, what's the script of um, what you want to say. You know, it, 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 it takes a certain level of experience to be able to just go ad hoc and, and be able to um, shoot on, on the fly. But I encourage people to think about their script. But in terms of equipment, you know, we could talk about all sorts of fancy cameras. The most important thing is lighting. You know, and if you don't want to buy a, an expensive camera uh, lighting rig, just make sure that you're shooting in the daytime and shooting in front of a window that brings in nice natural light to soften um, the shot. And that's the most important thing, uh, rather than going into all the specifics of what, what equipment to buy, uh, because I find that gets overwhelming. People focus on that too much and forget about the story. So focus on story, and if there's one uh, tweak, uh, focus on lighting when it comes to uh, the visuals. 
So when it comes to lighting and shooting in front of a window, that doesn't mean the talent's in front of the window. That means the camera's in front of the window because the talent gets dark, right? Correct, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just make sure you're pointing your camera and making sure that uh, the uh, outside light is coming in towards where you're sitting or standing or whatever it may be. Because if you flip it around the other way, then you get a dark shot and you're like, oh, I got to do it over again. <laughs> Exactly. And, and I also want to speak to your audience members, you know, maybe video is, is a, a, a big mountain to climb in terms of putting yourself on camera. Maybe you're thinking about a podcast. Maybe you're thinking about writing. Uh, and I really encourage you that the secret sauce to all of this is um, consistency. And the second you start putting out content, you, you may say you want to do it for yourself, but if you want to build an audience, you should explicitly tell them, listen, every Monday I'm coming out with a new piece of content for you, so expect it. Tell your friends about it. And it's something that I noticed with the success of my cartoon series, Every Vowel, because I would put out these cartoons every Monday, and if I ever missed a Monday, I'd start getting these emails like, John, what happened? Did I miss this Monday? Did it go to a different folder in my email? And I realized that you build this psychological habit that people come to expect from you, and that is as important as the, the, the quality of your content. The content and consistency go hand in hand. And and, you know, I realized this firsthand when I was putting out the cartoons and I was racing on a Sunday night to finish one uh, for the next Monday. I was like, you know what, this cartoon, it, it, it's good. It's not, it's not my best work, but I'm going to put it out. And that cartoon got 96,000 likes on LinkedIn, 17,000 wow. likes on, on Facebook, and just exploded um, the, the, the Every Vowel cartoon series. And it made me realize that also quality is decided by the market, decided by the audience. And you never know until you get that idea out of your head. Yeah, and another thing is if video is too hard for me, I know when I first started creating content, I'm like, wow, video sounds tough. And I would just, you know, think about it, but I wouldn't really move into doing it. Then I thought about, like, you know, podcasts. I'm like, oh, audio sounds pretty tough, too. I don't want to be talking all day. So, like, me personally, when I started out, I did writing first. And writing kind of, like, took off more than I could have ever imagined. And I've slowly moved into it transitioning into voice and, uh, and into video as well. So even if video is not the first thing that you start with, it's still something that you can really keep in mind for the future. You don't really have to start here. Whatever your stepping stone is and whatever you feel comfortable with is a good entry point. It really just depends on you and your comfort level. It's a big hurdle. Writing is a big hurdle. Um, talking on the podcast is a big hurdle. But whatever the smallest hurdle is, jump that one first, then move on to your next steps. Mm -hmm. That's well said. Yeah, well, we're going to hop off to a commercial break real fast. And after this commercial break, we'll get into more detail about more things that you could do. Uh, where could everyone find your uh, YouTube channel? Yeah, my YouTube channel is just simply youtube.com slash every vowel. Um, uh, but you can find all of my content, both the cartoons as well as the videos on everyvowel.com where uh, uh, people subscribe. So everyvowel.com is, uh, is the place to go. Perfect. And you can find me at Mr. and Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Awesome. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim back here again, and we're talking about how to reach millions with your message, and we have John Yushai on the line as well. Uh, so what we've discussed earlier is how to really go out there and discover what you're passionate about, what you need to do for video, and some basic lighting setup as well. But now what we really want to go into is that storytelling element. Like, how do you actually compile a, a story that kind of goes viral? Like, are there certain elements that you need to include? Are there certain things that you need to say? Do you have to talk in a certain way like Ty Lopez or no? <laughs> like, what, what, what's the good and bad things to do? <laughs> yeah, so I, I think... I've seen this across uh, different platforms, whether it's my work uh, at YouTube, it's writing for Forbes and and having two articles cross 1.5 million views and realizing what it took for them to to, to get that visibility or having the Every Vowel cartoon series grow to 400,000 readers. I've realized the key component to this is, one, realizing that perfection is the enemy of momentum, and then, two, realizing that you could involve people in the process not just show them the product. And I'll explain what both of those things mean. So before, I used to be such a perfectionist in terms of being uh, 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 very closed off with, with when I published my work. I was like, it has to be perfect. I spent, I spent five, six months on one article, uh, months on one cartoon. And then I realized, if I share my work with, uh, with audience members or close friends who are very passionate about the stories I'm trying to tell, They'll make it better, and they'll help connect dots that I would not have seen by myself. So I'll give a very specific example. I, I, I now have this um, Facebook community called Every Vowel Superfans, and it's about 1,000 people. And what happens is that because I put out one new cartoon every Monday um, as part of the Every Vowel cartoon series, I, I, quite honestly, I, it's hard to keep up with that many ideas by yourself. But now people submit ideas for cartoons, I go ahead and sketch them, and then I take the raw sketch, and I put it in that Facebook group, 
And I get this, these, all this amazing feedback, like, hey, John, tweak this, change that. I think the wording would be better for this. And all these thoughts that I would have never had on my own, people in my community and in my Facebook group are giving me this feedback to make the cartoons better and to find new stories. And it just led to my output being, being that much better because I involve people in the process and I'm not as precious about it. So I encourage anybody wow. who's thinking about putting out a piece of content, get as much feedback, even from people who are in your audience um, during the process, not just show them the product and, and call it a day. So you think the best thing to do would be like, hey, I got this little thing that I want to do. Can you watch it and tell me what you think about it? And get like maybe like 10, 20, 30 people to be like, oh, wow, that part sucked. I think you could do this instead. Oh, this looks great. And get all that feedback so you can go back and re-record something before you take it public. Absolutely. But, but it depends who those people are, right? I think uh, initially if you're starting out, Get a close yeah. group of five to six friends who you trust, who keep it honest, who won't BS you, and will tell you what, what is good and what is bad, and get their thoughts. And continue to do that and maybe help them as well. Like maybe they're working on their own projects, uh, they're putting out their own content. Give them feedback and reciprocate so everyone's helping each other out. But then eventually, as you begin to grow your own tribe and you grow your own audience who comes to your videos, ask your fans for feedback. People want nothing more uh, or one of the things that people want most is to be part of a creative process, to feel that creative energy, to have that creative inspiration. And you're sharing that with them by including them in, in uh, your production. Yeah, one of the things you definitely want, don't want to do is if all your friends are like Debbie Downers and all they do is yeah. shoot down all your ideas all the time, maybe those aren't the friends that you should really bring to watch these videos. Maybe you could join like a content creation circle and make like four or five friends there, worst case scenario, and like <clears throat> work with them, show them your ideas, they show you theirs, and have a collaborative environment where you're producing together. But um, those types of friends, you have to make sure you can trust them. You have to make sure they're going to be honest with you and that they're really going to craft, help you craft the better message instead of saying, oh, yeah, that's great, when it's a, it's a video of you eating like peanuts or something. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right, Leonard. And I think there's ways to put out signals to get that, those type of people in case they're, already, they're not already in your inner circle of friends. One thing I've done is as, you know, I, I always try for my Forbes column and my and my Time Magazine articles to go out and interview people and find the most interesting stories from the most interesting people. But obviously, I can't be everywhere at once. So I ask people, like I, put a, I post on LinkedIn, I'm like, hey, who's somebody interesting that I should interview? Or I ask in my Every Vowel Superfans group on Facebook, tell me your story, and, and, and I'll follow up with them, interview them, and put them in my next article. So there's such a, we live in such an exciting time where collaboration and creativity go hand in hand. And that bridge has been made that much easier because of social media. And I really encourage people to use it because you'll be able to flex muscles that you didn't know existed before. That, that brings me to my next point. Like, um, really, if you're going out there and you're building this content, you want people to connect with. You want people to go out there and watch your content. You want to do, like, different things. Like, um, there's got to be a lot of things that you're doing off the camera to really drive your uh, viewership, your readership, or whatever it may be. Uh, maybe we should kind of dive into that a little bit. What do you think? Sure, yeah. I, I think what you do off the camera or off the drawing board or away from where you write is, 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 is very important. 
And I think the thing that I would stress the most is collaboration, you know, thinking about who you could, who has a similar audience to you that you can do work together and help grow each other's following by uh, cross-promoting. And and those relationships come offline most times. So would you recommend like thinking like, oh, who am I like? Then making like a list of like maybe 10 or 20 different people. Maybe they could be the top experts in the field to people who are just starting and you just start reaching out to them, building connections with them, going, oh, hey, like commenting on their stuff, emailing them. Or what kind of approach would you really take to build these collaboration networks with people who are similar to you? Yeah, my, my biggest focus, and, and this is counterintuitive to, what, to, to, to a lot of advice people give about networking, I think you should focus on your work and yourself first and develop this magnet that will make it easier to collaborate with people. You know, I, I tried a lot of these cold emailing tactics and had some success but a lot of rejection, but it was only after every vowel got, got its following um, uh, after we got our first 100,000 readers, after we got features and forth in time, that I was able to come to the table and meet with a lot of the people I admired who, who, who would have ignored my mm. emails before. And I think I see this time and time again, especially with, with, uh, with people who are, are recent graduates who want to go to all these networking events, they'll, they'll want to you know, change business cards, connect on LinkedIn, and that's all wonderful and developing a relationship is good, but I believe in woodworking before networking, if, if, if I had to make an analogy. Build your, your you know, piece of art, your content. Start to put out the framework and, and, and put together what you want your work to be, and as you start getting initial traction, it'll be that much easier for people to want to meet with you, and they're going to be curious about what you're working on, and the conversations and ultimately the collaborations will be that much more dynamic. So in order to go out to these collaborations, you kind of need your own digital presence first. You have to have your content already being seen, and you have to have people watching or consuming your content, too. Yeah, and you don't need to check all the boxes at once, but to have the beginning uh, uh, is definitely important. Yeah. Cool. So at least if you have all the content up there, even if it's not being seen heavily, uh, that people take you a little bit more seriously than if you're just someone who has like nothing out there and trying to network with them. Exactly. Cool. Now, let's say you have all this content. Like, how do you really get people to watch it? Like, do you go, hey, hey, John, I got this new video. Um, can you watch it? Uh, no, I believe the best. <laughs> that, 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 that's, why, that's why I think, you know, there's a lot of things to be said about why living in 2018 is tough, difficult, and there's a lot of crazy things going on in our world right now, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm definitely cognizant of that. But I think it's also such a great time to be alive because if you put out something great, get feedback, iterate on it, there are all these distribution channels that never existed, and we're not even as strong five to ten years ago that we could take advantage of. Like the whole idea of putting out a video on, on, on YouTube is something that would have been a crazy thought 15 years ago where you had to hire a camera crew, uh, where you had to, 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 to you know, um, uh, think about storyboards. And, and, and you still have to do that in, in, in much different forms, but the, the barrier to entry is much lower. And I think that, you know, it's just about getting out there and, 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 uh, and putting your work and letting it speak for itself in addition to being consistent. And eventually, you know, your audience will compound and grow. Cool. So you got to like maybe share these things onto your social platforms so they're seen. You can't just make a video and put it up and have people see it, can you? 
Um, you can, but but it it, it all starts with a uh, ground swell of you know who are your initial networks, um, what's the what's the positioning of your uh, channel or your your content site, and uh, you can just get started. But then it's a matter of do you keep with it. I see a lot of people have energy at the start. They put out their content, they announce it, and 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 then <laughs> two weeks later they're not uploading at all, and that's a mistake. Yeah. You got to keep with it. So, like, let's say you stay consistent on this thing and you're like, every Monday I'm going to go out there and make a new video. And you're making a new video and you're having that go up every single Monday. Is, like, YouTube going to get, like, a signal that you're a little bit more consistent? And are they going to start helping you push your content if it's quality content? Well, there's a lot of signals that, that, that are given, but, but, but really the audience is what the audience wants. And, and people want fresh content. And yeah. so... Uploading, as long as you're maintaining your quality, uploading consistently to your audience is, is incredibly important. So they have, it's almost like a conversation. If you don't, or a friendship, if you don't hear from somebody uh, for months at a time, it's going to be harder for you to develop affinity towards them and subscribe to them and, and trust and like what they have to say. So uploading as consistently as possible, maybe that's weekly, maybe that's daily, maybe it's just a really awesome video monthly. Um, it all depends on the quality that you keep up while producing as much content that makes sense for you. Cool. So if we're looking at signals, that could be like a view, that could be like a watch time, like length of time that they're watching, how many mm -hmm. people are liking, how many people are commenting, sharing. Are there any other signals that people should really look out for? I think the biggest, you know, a lot of people try to slice and dice, you know, their, their metrics, and, and that's incredibly important. But if you're talking about people who are just starting out, the biggest thing uh -huh. to focus on is, like, what is your format and what do you want to say? And how do you yeah. make sure that you are aligned to that um, uh, every time you put out an episode? I see a lot of people also, they say, I want to start a channel, and it's going to be about me. And one week they're talking about cryptocurrency, and another week they're talking about the paleo diet. And I'm like, what is the rhyme <laughs> reason here? Right? Like, like, like pick a niche. It's almost like uh, a content creator and an entrepreneur have a lot in common. You have to have a focus. If you open up a store that sells apples and you, you're like, I'm going to make the best apple and people are going to come to my corner store to have the best apples and expect these apples. But one day you're like, you know what? I really like oranges. So I'm going to give you oranges this week only. Your entire audience is going to be like, dude, what? We love your apples. You know? Why are you all of a sudden going to oranges? And that, that, that is true for content creators who start out. Pick a focus. Stick with it. Get better. And over time, as you develop a trust with your audience, then you have the more creative flexibility to start other shows, start other channels, put new segments, and do more because people know who you are and will trust more of your voice. But initially, they're coming to you because they have an interest that they want to get a new perspective on or they want to hear a new take on or they want to have, have, have their life enriched in some way in relationship to that specific interest. So keep at that as opposed to switching every week. So you should really just hone in on one specific topic, let time go by, have people realize that you truly are the expert on the topic, get engaged with it. Then after you build a solid following for that, then you can pivot it off and make something new, but you shouldn't really mix, it, mix other things in together, right? Yeah, and I'll, and I'll give a super specific example to illustrate that. Uh, so for my cartoon series, my biggest focus is thinking about how I could give career advice through cartoons, right? Mm -hmm. Then one, uh, this was during the 2016 presidential campaign, Huffington Post approached me and was like, hey, we love your cartoons. Could you do some political cartoons for us? 
And I was like, oh, my God. The Huffington Post wants to feature my cartoons. Ariana is going to uh, curate them and tweet them out, and it's going to be this, this big thing, a lot of exposure. I got super excited. I started making these political cartoons. I put out one, and my audience is like, what in the world is this? We did not come to you for political cartoons. And I, I, I saw a churn in my subscriber base. And it made me realize the same thing that I just said before, is you've got to keep a focus. People come to you for, for um, a, a, a format or a topic, and if you start to waver from that, even if it's a uh, good exposure opportunity, maybe it's not the right brand opportunity. And that's important yeah. to keep in mind. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially when you want to swim in your lane. You don't want to go too far outside of that. Uh, let's go back yeah. to that content creation process. You said you like to curate and get other people involved in that storytelling process. Uh, one thing that I really like to do when I tell a story is I like to picture myself at a bar talking to a friend over like maybe a drink because mm-hmm. then the story kind of like flows a certain way and I'm like talking to a friend. Um, mm-hmm. what, are there any particular styles that you use in your storytelling that help um, distinguish your content from the other types of content that are out there? Yeah. So, uh, Leonard, I think you're spot on. Uh, one of my first principles when it comes to writing is speak like a human. <laughs> and, and you just said, like, <laughs> speak like you're having a coffee chat with somebody. I think that we have to unlearn a lot of the things that unfortunately are taught in a lot of uh, schools, which is, you know, this idea of like having like a, a, a huge, uh, uh, long-winded vocabulary, like, like longer is better. No, it's not. Being concise and being brief is, is, is a path towards being engaging, especially in today's world of short attention spans. One of my favorite quotes of all time, and I'm paraphrasing, is, is uh, you know, when Abraham Lincoln was asked to write a speech, I think this was back before he was, he was president, he was asked, uh, to, write a, to, to write a speech. And he's like, you know what? If you want me to write 100 uh, words, that'll be $100. But if you want me to write 50 words, uh, that'll be $200. <laughs> and it goes to speak to the idea that shorter writing takes much more thought. And I think not enough people uh, take that approach when it comes to writing and really thinking about pouring their hours of their own time for every second that a reader spends reading their article. And, 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 and that's, that's to try to respond that's the kind of respect I try to give readers when I approach my writing. Um, another tip is I like to do the thing where I, I throw people into the conversation. So I read this Forbes article called The Uberpreneur, How an Uber Driver Makes $252,000 a Year. And the first, the first sentence of the article wasn't an opening sentence. It was, um, uh, quote, this is the best advice that I find no, this is the best business advice that I find nobody is following, end quote. I was listening to my Uber driver as he spoke. And I'd throw people into the conversation to perplex them a bit and intrigue them. Like, why is the Uber driver giving business advice? And what is that business advice? And, 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 and it intrigued them to read more. And that was an article that crossed 1.5 million views. Yeah, I, re- I was part of that 1.5 million. I remember that article. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the craziest things is back when I was writing on Quora a lot, like someone asked the question, what do you do when you run out of hope? 
I was driving in my car. I pulled out my BlackBerry. I typed something up in like two or three minutes. I clicked publish. <laughs> so two to three minutes on a BlackBerry. It can't be that many words. It's probably like 50 words yeah. or something. That thing got over 400,000 reads. I'm like, what in the world? Like, how, how does that even happen? And then like when I look at a lot of my content, like the more shorter and concise it is, the more it really generates views. Then when I try to go long and elaborate upon things, it really doesn't really connect as well. Or get the readership yeah. that I thought it would. Your spot. Wait, Leonard. I'm curious. What did you say in that in, in that answer? That that that, that I'm, I'm 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 so curious. What 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 what, what did you write? Uh, that's a great question. Um, something. Yeah, I have like to look it up. Step, step one: wake up. Step two: go uh, get out of bed. Step three: take a shower. Step four: go eat. Something like that. It's like really really simple stuff. Then it's like step yeah. five: take take a walk. Go appreciate the beauty around you, or something yeah. like that. I don't know. It's really, really simple. Let me see nice. if I can find nice. it. Yeah, um, simplicity usually is. You know, people overcomplicate things all the time, so simplicity yeah. is usually the way to go. Yeah, that was really surprising for me. Like, uh, like I couldn't believe that one single piece got uh, so many views. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing thing. Let's hop off to a commercial break, and then after that, I'll probably find the piece of content by then, and we could share that, and we could go off onto a different topic and cover some more things. What do you think about that? Sounds great. Cool. All right, and you can find here, uh, where could everyone find all of your content again? Uh, if you go to everyvowel.com, uh, E-V-E-R-Y-V-O-W-E-L, Com. And for your audience, if people are interested in getting published in places like Forbes, Time Magazine, um, Entrepreneur Magazine, I do a lot of questionnaires in my uh, Facebook community. If you, go to every, if you type in every vowel superfans and you join the group, I do these monthly prompts where I ask people uh, to submit their own stories, and it's a good chance to be featured in some of these mainstream publications and get a ton of exposure. So if that's something people are interested in, feel free to look me up there as well. Awesome. Perfect. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. 
Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here, back with John Yushai. And if you've been listening to this episode, you probably have a lot of the key components you need to really go out there and drive millions of views to your content, whether it's through YouTube, writing, or whatever it may be. Uh, One thing that we discussed right before hopping off to that commercial break was that piece of content that I had that had over 400,000 views. And that one was uh, an answer to a question that someone asked on Quora on, what do I do when I run out of hope? And I wrote a simple list of 10 things to do, and it's, it looks like it's about 25 words, maybe 50, can't really tell, uh, to, not that detail-oriented. But it says, one, stop thinking, two, get out of bed, three, take a shower, four, get dressed, five, drink a glass of water, six, eat breakfast, seven, go for a walk towards somewhere pleasant. Eight, pay attention to what's around you. Nine, get immersed in the scenery. And ten, appreciate the beauty around you. It was like super simple. It took me like two minutes to write this in my car. I wasn't really thinking about perfection. I wasn't really thinking about, oh, is this going to like connect with millions of people? I'm like, oh, these are the ten things that I would do right now if I was feeling hopeless. And that's really what I put out there. And that it's like kind of crazy how something that simple could really go out there and get that many views. And that simplicity concept that we talked about earlier, that really just showcases <clears throat> right in that piece of uh, content right there. But now, um, John, you've had opportunities where people have taken your content and like broadcasted it to like wide audiences and things like that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I love that story about simplicity because I think it's the key to a lot of success. And I had an opportunity to have my cartoons. Uh, again, I, uh, for those just t- tuning in, I have this career-related cartoon series called Every Vowel. And one of my biggest breakthrough moments uh, came thanks to uh, a Wharton professor and New York Times bestselling author, Adam Grant, who put my cartoon um, in his TED Talk that now has over 6 million views. And that was a big moment to bring credibility and visibility. And I think it goes to show that people are, are, um, are always looking for good work and content. And if you can find somebody who is, you know, uh, um, giving a speech or they're coming out with a new book, um, there's always opportunities to try to help them out and try to knock things that are on their to-do list but they haven't been able to get to. And so reaching out and asking those questions to people um, who you may, may be able to help and add value first is always a great way to go, especially if you're starting out. 
Yeah, for me personally, I, I found that a lot of these deep connections that I made in this uh, so-called business world is the people who have really gone out and said, Leonard, how can I help you? Let me do this for you. Like me, I ask people, <laughs> a lot of people do ask me, like, how can I help you? And I mean, that's kind of hitting the surface, and I usually respond with, I don't know what I really need help with. <laughs> kind of doing things is fine. But if you really want to take things further and you really want to stand out from other people, you could be like, look, I've been consuming your content for a long time, and I can tell that this is a lot of work. It looks like you're having like a little bit of a problem with X in your process. Maybe I could help I can help some of those duties. Now, if you have that way to help and you walk in and you have a clear thing on what the person actually needs help with, like nine times out of ten, if their inbox isn't like the type of person who gets like a thousand in a day, then chances are they're going to see your email, they're going to open it, and they're going to be like, wow, this person's amazing. Let me go talk to them. And then you're going to have your foot in the door, and that could be with someone who's super successful. Maybe you're working with someone who's very talented that you've always um, had as like a virtual mentor, and now they're becoming a real mentor. And the doors really just open up from there. Have you had any opportunities where you offered your help to someone and like got it? Yeah, and then I love uh, how you take it a step further, Leonard, in terms of not just how you uh, how you can help with. In general, it's how you can help specifically with the project. And yeah, I, I do have a story. I think one moment that really stuck, stuck out for me and was a, uh, uh, a really game-changing moment in my career is I, I got a chance to work with Neil Strauss, who many people know him as a, uh, a best-selling author. He wrote the book The Game. He re- wrote, uh, bu- wrote a lot of other books, articles for the Rolling Stones, interviewed everyone from Britney Spears to Bruce Springsteen. As, and as a writer, um, I really admired his craft. And so... Uh, what I did was I, I reached out um, after I started writing myself and, 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 and I said, Neil, I just want to say thanks so much for inspiring me. I now write for Forbes and Time Magazine, and I would love to meet up one day, uh, but mainly just wanted to send this message to say thank you. And I didn't expect to hear back, and I didn't hear back for about two months, three months. And out of the blue, I'll never forget, I was, I was, uh, I was you know, about to board a plane, and... I saw this email come through from his assistant. He's like, hey, Neil really uh, 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 is, is thankful for your message, and he was wondering um, if you have 15 minutes to meet next week in Los Angeles. And I'm like, absolutely. I'll be right there. Um, and so we scheduled a time for ne- – or not be right there, but, you know, we scheduled a time for next week. I flew to L.A. I met with Neil, and, and I, I did a lot of research on what may have been on his mind at the moment. And in our conversation, it came up that he was working on his newest book called The Truth. And he was looking for ways to market that book. And we started talking specifically about video trailers. And during that conversation, I was like, Neil, let me come back to you with a few ideas on what could be a really, really awesome trailer to market your book and promote it so many, many more people know about it. And that 15-minute conversation ended up turning into an hour conversation. We started pushing back at later meetings. We started talking. We started brainstorming. I'm like, Neil, let me come back to you with a few ideas specifically for this video trailer. So I went off about three days later, I sent him this presentation with five different ideas about what we could do for the trailer. And what he said was, I remember he called me back, he's like, John, I really like idea two. Let's, let's go with that. And we did some back and forth to refine it. And I'll never forget this moment where he was like, John, okay, do you know anybody, like an agency or a director or producer who could uh, put together this video trailer, this concept, and bring it to life? And, and Leonard, I have no idea what came over me in that moment, 
but I responded on the phone to Neil. I was like, Neil, I could do it. I have made videos, and I, I will produce this one for you. And he's like, nice. great. Come out to Malibu. I'm going to have you I'll put you up in my house uh, for a few days. We're going to shoot it, and we're going to put it together. And so next month, we set it up. We did casting calls. We got the trailer all set up. We did the pre-production. I got there to Malibu. It was a stressful two days of putting the shoot together. It was one of my first big shoots being behind the camera myself. But I, I, I'm excited to say that we sent it off to his publisher, and we put it out there, and they said it was one of the best book trailers they've ever seen. And, wow. and that was just something where I was like, you know what? I develop a relationship with somebody who I really admired their work um, and to do it in such a specific way uh, brought so much meaning and happiness. And, and it, was, it, it was, it's to this day, a really fond memory. That's kind of awesome. Like, <clears throat> for me personally, I have a similar story. Like, uh, the reason I started writing is because this one guy was like, hey, you got to read this post. This guy's just like you, except for he made a lot more money and lost a lot more money than you. And, or maybe that's what I said after I read it. And, um, <laughs> but he said, you got to read this post. You got to read this post. I'm like, no, I don't read. I don't want to read that. No, 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 no. And he, then I opened up the article because, you know, he peer pressured me a lot. Then I scrolled down to the bottom like, whoa, that's so long. I can't read this. He's like, dude, you're not doing anything else anyway. So I just read it. It was a piece by James Altucher on what it feels like to lose a lot of money quickly. After I read that, I kind of, uh, took me a month of reading his content to get inspired. Then I started writing and I started like mentioning him in posts. And like one day I, I decided to send him an email, no response, but like a few months later, I'm still writing content. He goes and likes one of my posts. I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Then he added me on Facebook and I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Then we had a one minute chat conversation through messenger. I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> then next thing you know, like, he's like, Hey, do you want to do some writing for me? I'm like, well, I'm actually getting paid from this thing. That was just a passion. And I'm like, well, you can actually make money doing, the, <laughs> doing things like this. And then like it all kind of cycled from there. And then, like, as time progressed, it's evolved to, like, other relationships and more relationships and more opportunities down the line. So it's been kind of cool how that all panned out. Like, um, right now we're working with Keith Ferrazzi. He's about to release a new concept called Co-Elevation, which is all about, like, bringing other people up. It's a change management theory uh, that he uh, used for one of the big automobile manufacturers in their turnaround process uh, back in 2008 when it was falling apart. And we're working with him, and he's like, here's another referral, here's another referral, here's another referral. And we're like, oh, cool, more money, yay. <laughs> and it's, like, really <laughs> crazy how, like, all these things just kind of happen. And, like, Keith is writing the forward in our book, and it's kind of neat. That's how awesome. all these pieces, like, awesome. fall together somehow. Not sure how it falls that, together. It just falls together. <laughs> it always does. Well, Leonard, what would you say, I'm curious, what would you say is the biggest, what was the biggest breakthrough in your career? Was it that moment? Was it another one? I think the biggest moment for me was back in 2014, I hit about 10 million reads on my content, but my ex-girlfriend left me because I was always like, yeah, I'm not good enough. Oh, yeah, I, I kind of suck. Like, I, I still, like, all these people are calling me an inspiration, but I kind of feel like a loser still, you know? <laughs> kind of mm. in that phase where you're not able to, like, adjust to the success that's happening around you because your bank account's not reflecting that. <laughs> Mm. Uh, at that moment, like after she left me, 
I was like, wait, no, I can't be a loser anymore. I gotta own. I gotta own what I'm doing. I gotta have more confidence. I had to get over this imposter syndrome, and it wasn't like a money making shift. It wasn't like a mentor shift, but it was like that mentality shift of if I keep acting like a loser, I'm gonna keep losing everything else, and mm. kind of like buying into myself and uh, getting that confidence in what I was doing. I think that was the biggest shift in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And not jumping off a bridge. <laughs> wow, yeah. That's another big moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, it sounds like you've gone through a lot. Yeah, it's been interesting. Fun times, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and it sounds like that was, that was several, that, that, that was some time ago, or have you gone through that uh, recently? Because I think it's very inspiring for people to hear about, you know, what, it, what it's like to have different forms of success, right? You know, in the press, but but sometimes you know you're 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 battling with different things in person, and and uh, you know we're all going through our own struggles in our own ways in that sense. Well, just to sum up, like year rise, two thousand five, two thousand six, made lots of money, had a great girlfriend, everything was great. Two thousand seven to like twenty eleven, <clears throat> everything kind of fell apart. I wanted to go out there and make lots of money, but then nothing really worked. What, uh, companies went bankrupt over and over and over and over and over again. Had to restart over from scratch. Kind of gave up. Wanted to like jump off a bridge and die. <laughs> oh my. Uh, uh, I couldn't pay electricity bill. Got evicted. Had to go live with grandma. All this neat stuff. 2011, tried rebuilding from scratch. Uh, <clears throat> went to go work at a Fortune 100 company called American Honda. Couldn't get promoted mm-hmm. for four years. Uh, got paid $16.24 an hour. Never got a raise. Kind of got tired of all that, and I was like, you know what? Um, two years into that, I was like, all the all my colleagues are getting promoted, but I'm not. This is stupid. So I tried doing three different things. I tried writing, I tried going back to school, and I tried applying for hundreds of jobs. But since I had no personal brand, when I applied for hundreds of jobs, no one listened or paid attention. And when I went back to school, that was kind of like a long-term plan, not a short-term plan. And writing mm-hmm. like somehow took off. Within the first six months, I had like two million reads. Um, mm-hmm. Two years into my writing, I was writing for Inc. Magazine, Huffington Post, and Entrepreneur. Um, now, like I've got like hundreds and hundreds of like media features in all these different places, from like Forbes mm-hmm. to Cosmo, who, like why Cosmo, <laughs> right? So like all these like different places, like Fast Company, Fortune, um, whatever. It's all there, I guess. And then, <clears throat> like um, last year, like. Uh, it's kind of weird because um, I thought it was the worst year of my life, but I was making more money than I ever was making before, and I had more clients and more credibility. Like, like uh, business-wise, it looked like on the paper that I was like crushing it, but then I felt like I was having the worst year of my life because I was dealing with um, a broken heart, not feeling adequate enough, and like all those bad feelings kind of came back until I got into the because my uh, former girlfriend broke up with me on uh, Thanksgiving 2016, and from there, mm-hmm. she kind of like tried to come back and out of my life, and I'm like, oh my God, this is such a mess and a nightmare that, um, you know, all your friends say, oh, just forget about it and move on. How do you go forget about it? You go drink, and then when you drink and forget about it, it's still there and lingering around, and it comes back and grabs yeah. you and tries to pull you back down. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, I had a breakdown in my car when I was, <laughs> I was driving home Monday and uh, that song by um, that song that goes you just you just want attention played and I just had a breakdown driving home <laughs> wow and man I, it's, it's, it's yeah. incredible that you're 
so honest and candid and, and, be, and uh, so willing to be so vulnerable. Uh, I really admire that. Thank you. Well, we're wrapping up our show now. Uh, where can everyone find all your content? Uh, you can find my stuff at everyvowel.com, E-V-E-R-Y-V-O-W-E-L.com. Uh, or feel free to connect with me on Facebook. I'm always responsive on Messenger. And if you send me a friend request, uh, John Ushai, last name is Y-O-U-S-H-A-E-I. We'd love to chat and help out however I can. Perfect. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter. And thank you so much for tuning in today to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. And hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.